listening to the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin, and uh, this is part two of uh, the Beatles of Japan series, me uh, talking about the different members of Happy End, one of my all-time favorite bands, and a very remarkable group of musicians from Japan. Uh, as I mentioned at the end of last episode, they, uh, they weren't a band for very long, and then they uh, split up, but everybody went on to uh, very fruitful and uh, very interesting solo careers. So part two is me uh, digging more into that. And if you're, especially if you're a fan of our first album, Eating Peaches, some of the songs on there heavily, heavily influenced by one of these artists in particular. So you may find that a bit interesting. But uh, moving right along, the uh, first member I'll talk about, Takashi Matsumoto, he was the drummer and he was the lyricist of the group. And uh, he went on to write lyrics for pretty much everybody in the business. Um, I'm just looking at Wikipedia now. But as of 2015, he had written over 2,100 songs, 130 of which were top 10 selling hits. Uh, but, you know, I have a hard time understanding them, so that's a little less interesting to me. I don't think he was much of a melody writer, uh, did not release any solo albums himself or anything, but uh, good to know he had a very long and successful career. Um, so Shigeru Suzuki is the guitarist He's uh, the guy I think of as the George Harrison of the group. He has a few solo albums. He was pretty quick to release one right after uh, Happy End split up. Um, and some of them are kind of decent. He, uh, I wouldn't say songwriting is his biggest strength either, just uh, judging by um, the albums of his that I'm familiar with. But he's an excellent guitar player, and he has a very distinct sort of guitar sound that I don't know quite how to describe, but I always know it when I hear it. Um, I describe it as kind of chiming and um, very bright, and uh, I don't know if you know what compressed means, but a very compressed sound. It's, ju it's just very particular, and it's, it's, uh, it's not too distorted or, or raw. It's, it just, it's, it's this kind of sheen yeah, I don't know. I feel like it just sits well on top of a lot of different songs. And um, he was very active in a lot of different groups and a lot of different projects, particularly in the 70s and 80s. So uh, me just being the, you know, the retro music nerd that I am and digging into all these uh, Japanese albums, I've heard him on a lot of different albums. He's played with, um, of course, all the members of Happy End in their projects you know, somewhere along the line, he's played with uh, Yamashita Tatsuro, who is very famous on YouTube in the uh, the YouTube recommendations area. I'm noticing he's starting to get a lot of attention. Um, if if there's any kind of jazz, pop, rock, I guess the the Japanese call that genre city pop. But if, if there's if there's any album like that. Uh, before like 1990 it's a pretty safe bet that uh, Shigeru Suzuki was involved somehow I'm gonna play one of his songs from his first album Bandwagon and uh, it's groovy it's it's kind of 
I don't know. It's a little false flat, might be a little gimmicky, but um, if I'm in the right mood, it's a fun listen. So this song is called Suna no Ona, which means uh, sand woman, I guess. Yeah, it's very 70s for sure. Uh, apparently, he recorded that in Los Angeles with a lot of uh, Los Angeles musicians, um, members of Santana, Sly and the Family Stone, and Little Feet. So kind of it's going for that uh, American sound. And uh, he had an album or two later that uh, I'm familiar with, still in like the late 70s era. Um, has a few songs that I dig, but I don't know. It, he, more than the other members, uh, I feel like it's it's just more like a, a pale imitation of um, better, more interesting um, Western pop acts, but maybe you can uh, decide for yourself. So I'll share a little more of his music. <laughs> this song is called You Are a Bad Liar. So that's English. Kind of sounds like a Pete Townsend song, although I'm sure Pete Townsend came first. But anyway, that is uh, Shigeru Suzuki's solo music in a, in a nutshell, a very small nutshell. Um, he kind of has a reputation in Japan for being a bit of a pothead, I guess. Uh, he got busted in 2009 by Tokyo police um, for violating the cannabis control law. He was convicted to six months in prison? Jesus. I guess they don't fool around over there. Um, and that's where Paul McCartney got busted in uh, Narita Airport back in like 1980 for, for having pot on him. Anyway, he's, he's still around. He's still alive. Uh, still active from what I can tell, more or less, um, as is Takashi Matsumoto. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much more to say on him. My main two guys, if we're talking um, post-happy end music, um, Hosono Haromi and uh, Otaki Echi. So let's talk about uh, Mr. Hosono first. He was the bass player in Happy End, and um, he's definitely been the most prolific uh, in terms of just original music that he's released. He's done everything. Um, I've heard just a very small fraction of what he's released um, over the course of his career. Um, he's done a lot of stuff as a solo artist, just under his own name, but he's also been part of a ton of uh, different bands and done different collaborations. Um, 
you know, over the last 40, 50 years. He's super prolific. Uh, he's probably most famous in Japan and maybe internationally as one of the founding members of Yellow Magic Orchestra, which is, uh, their music is worlds away from Happy End. They're like the, basically the founders of Technopop along with Kraftwerk. And I like some Yellow Magic Orchestra, but I mean, they're all about these like ridiculous old synth sounds and like lots of kind of off the wall humor. Um, it's mostly instrumental music. I don't know, like it's it's kind of fun, but it, it just sounds like weird old like Atari video game music, um, which isn't always what I'm about necessarily, but I definitely appreciate how uh, cutting edge and original they were at the time. And that would be, um, yeah, what he's probably most famous for. But before he started that, so I think they um, took off in the mid to late 70s, he has at least one album that I'm a really big fan of. I think it's full of really, really great, lovely songs. Um, again, going back to Mac DeMarco, uh, I saw in a uh, in a video on YouTube, Mac DeMarco wanted to model the album cover of his album two off of this um, Hosono debut album. It's called uh, Hosono House. And um, before I rant anymore, why don't I play a track off of that? This is called um, Baratoyaju, which means the beast and the rose. <laughs> Yeah, man, just really funky bass lines, really kind of just weird, cool atmosphere, um, fun melodies, interesting chord progressions. I like his voice. It's kind of like, I just imagine a really cool frog. I know his voice reminds me of a frog for some reason, but yeah. Anyway, the highlight of this album might be the song Koiwa Momoiro, which means uh, love is peach colored That's just as good as anything James Taylor ever wrote, I think. Um, I actually covered that song for, uh, I think it was, yeah, I probably actually performed it a couple times um, back when I would routinely gig around uh, Kyoto, Japan, when I was living there. You know, once in a while I'd uh, play a show, I'd open for somebody in town, and it would just be uh, me and a piano, and that was uh, a really... Really uh, enjoyable song to sing and um, to play piano on. It's just got a really, um, 
it's just it's awesome all around. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, the one that we heard right before that, Bara Toyaju, I covered that as well, but I never did it live. I actually, um, back when I was making like weirdo electronic music by myself, and I was just starting to get into singing, um, but I was nowhere near, um, you know, what I do uh, today. But uh, I was just getting into the idea of taking my kind of experimental electronic kind of fooling around and um, working on an actual song in that way with those uh, with those sounds and the synths that I had at the time. So I covered that uh, the Rose and Beast song and maybe uh, I still got it around on my hard drive, I think. Maybe uh, one day I'll, I'll share it with y'all or if... <laughs> If you want a copy of it, I'll just email it to you. You can just hit me up. But so those are uh, those are two cuts off of Holsona House. It's a, the whole album is good and it, it's varied too. Um, I guess if we're gonna split hairs, I'd call it's it's difficult to say, but I guess I'd call him the uh, the Paul Paul McCartney of the group just because of how musically versatile he was and he could kind of do everything. He was he was a chameleon. Um, I'm unfortunately going to say the first album he released is definitely my favorite by far. Um, everything he did after, even before uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra, was a lot more instrumental heavy. And he got a lot more into like um, music of the, the South Pacific or Hawaii. Um, I guess he had some some South Asian influences in there as well, but uh, he just kind of left the um, the folk rock singer songwriter thing behind pretty much completely, um, and I always kind of kind of missed that. He uh, he does have some other work out there aside from Yellow Magic Orchestra that I definitely uh, enjoy from time to time. This one uh, has also found a lot of love on YouTube in recent years. Um, the album Pacific, which was a collaboration with, um, again, Shigeru Suzuki and uh, the singer Tatsuro Yamashita um, as part of the CBS Sony Sound Image series. So Pacific is really cool. It's The album cover is like the South Pacific Sea and like an island or two. Um, and it's very tropical it just really puts you like on the beach with like a, a drink in your hand just like relaxing looking at the waves uh it's great party music great cocktail party music it's just like a, a music hipster's delight it's got a great vibe to it i, I feel like it really captured kind of something special that was going on with uh with those musicians at that time just it's it's all instrumental, but just really, really great um, instrumental pieces, really solid melodies. Uh, I'll like I'll play one maybe. I'll play um, this one's called Slack Key Roomba. <laughs> And 
you just know whoever did the the music for like uh, Super Mario Sunshine or whatever was totally into that album. I mean, how Nintendo does that sound? Uh, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna move off of uh, Hosono at this point, but I can't stress enough just how many goddamn albums this guy has put out. Um, even to the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, he's done a lot of stuff with electronic music. Um, in particular, he he definitely broke ground with um, with that and uh, mixing different uh, traditions of world music together. And um, he's very accomplished. He did a lot of movie soundtracks. Um, he, whoa, he did the soundtrack to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I did not know that. That is awesome. I love that movie. So, yeah, I'd I'd arguably call him the most most accomplished of the group. Um, definitely check uh, some of his stuff out for sure. Uh, but my favorite, my my main guy is going to be um, the last uh, part of the the happy end group, um, Eichi Otaki. He released his debut album. I think it was self titled. Um, pretty much right after the uh the band broke up it's still very uh largely in that style and a lot of the songs are very short kind of feels a little rushed a little half finished a little rough around the edges but a lot of uh very good ideas and some solid songs in that collection there's two in particular well there's really one in particular that uh i think is a stone cold classic reminds me kind of al green some of his songs it just it has one of my like all-time favorite beats one day i want to write a song that like has this sort of uh rhythm because i just think it's so cool and it's you'll you'll hear the whole the whole thing is, is really suave this is called yubikiri which means you know if we were to translate it into english probably like pinky swear I can only assume that's uh, Hosono laying down the law with that bass line, but that whole tune is great. I love the flute. I love the kind of the weird uh, female vocals on the side. Um, so again, that album, uh, H.E. Otaki, pretty sure it's self-titled. Um, worth checking out. It's, uh, it's definitely the most raw, maybe underdeveloped. Um, I say that particularly because he went on to become such a uh, gifted and unique producer in particular his the rest of his well yeah pretty much the rest of his work is very um meticulously crafted which is what i always go for i like my uh, my sergeant peppers my pet sounds i like uh i like a um a labor of love if you will so his next album in 1975 is called, oh, what's this? Uh, it's called Niagara Moon. What a coincidence. <laughs> it's actually not a good album. It's probably his worst, honestly. Um, it's still got some interesting ideas in it, but he's 
clearly still trying to find his his sound and his style in this. Um, he's getting more into the uh, the producer and kind of the soundsmith realm, but still the the balance between that and um, his uh, singer songwriter thing it feels a little off kilter to me. But I'll I'll play a little bit of the uh, the title track Niagara Moon to give you an idea what I'm talking about. Definitely makes me think of uh, Van Dyke Parks music, and Van Dyke Parks is also somebody where um, they may be shown best having another artist to work with and to contribute to um, when they're manning the ship themselves. Um, sometimes they don't always bring everything to the table. I, you know, I like it. I like it, music that uh, is more focused and. Um, Here's the melody, here's the verse, here's the chorus. I'm kind of a maybe traditionalist that way. Um, but yeah, so Niagara Moon has more of um, kind of music scapes rather than um, more solid songs in particular. But um, he did another, yeah, like three more albums that have the word Niagara in them. I guess that kind of became like a, a concept of his. Uh, there's Go, Go, Niagara and Niagara Calendar, and then he also formed a supergroup with Tatsuro Yamashita and some other guy I don't really know called Ginji Ito. Um, they were Niagara Triangle, and they have uh, Niagara Triangle Volume 1 and Niagara Triangle Volume 2. Some good, some good songs all around, I would say, with all these albums. Niagara Calendar, I feel like, might be the weak link there. It kind of suffers some of the same issues as Niagara Moon. But... Uh, yeah, he, he just, he's, Otaki is kind of taking a lot of influences from like the fifties music he grew up with. Um, and Phil Spector, definitely the wall of sound thing. And he's, he's starting to blend all this stuff together. Um, so he had the, kind of this big rush of releases that I don't think did very well commercially, but at the same time, he was also doing themes for commercials and themes for TV He's branching out into this and that. He produced um, some very good albums. Uh, the band Sugar Babe, which was a, a notable, super, another super group in the 70s. Um, he was doing a lot, but he took a break for a few years, or rather um, hunkered down to focus on one big album in particular, which became a long vacation, and the long vacation is one of my definitely one of my favorite albums of all time. Solid start to finish. Um, it's one of the best-selling albums in Japan, definitely at least in the '80s. Uh, it was named the seventh greatest Japanese rock album of all time by Rolling Stone Japan. I'll play you the uh, the opener. And what an opener it is. Uh, I'll play the first song of this album called Kimi wa Tenen Shoku, which I think means you are a natural color.
That's how you open an album, I think. Oh, man. That brings back memories. Uh, yeah, the whole album is, is great and a big source of influence for my music. Um, the instrumentation, just how everything is just big and layered. Um, the, the, key, the keyboard is, is definitely an important part. It's definitely a keyboardist's album, a producer's album. Um, oh, there's some other great ones on here. When I was making the song Solo for Two, uh, so often when um, when you're like finishing the arrangement for a song, putting all the different parts together, and then you're mixing it and bringing, um, you're making all the sounds fit with each other, you'll often have like a reference song, something you kind of uh, keep track of and compare to um, as you're trying to figure out how to like uh, how to how to polish the thing. And um, this next song was was that reference track for me um, when I was making solo for two. This is called. Kanaria Shotonite, which means in the Canary Islands. I think that's somewhere in the South Pacific. So A Long Vacation came out in 1981, definitely was a big hit at the time, and I think people who grew up in that era, um, from what I can tell, uh, still remember it today. I've seen like um, TV specials about it, you know, just like on uh, whatever the Japanese equivalent to VH1 is. Um, made its mark in popular culture. I'll hear some of the songs in commercials sometimes, um, you know, even... 30, 35 years later. Stone Cold Classic. I uh, recommend it for anybody to check out. I know it's at least streaming on YouTube. But the story does not stop there. Uh, I think a year or two later, he did another one of those Niagara Triangle albums, and I would say it's definitely the uh, superior one of the two. Um they're like six years apart, so uh, he had definitely honed in this just awesome, washy, reverb, beautiful harmony sound, and uh, it's in full force on that album. This is called Hato Jikake no Orenji, and my best guess on how to translate that would be A Clockwork Orange Heart. Kind of interesting imagery there. But uh, so if you know my song Solo for Two, I'll show you this song and uh, maybe you'll hear some similarities. I will acknowledge I don't know, maybe you, uh, depending on how you hear it, there is something a little cheesy about this music. It's a little, it's definitely dated. I don't think it's cool. I wouldn't, uh, it's not the kind of sound that comes to mind when I think cool. Just uh, in the same way, maybe some uh, early Beach Boys songs aren't going to be cool. Uh, and in the case of old Takiechi's music, I don't care. I'll go for it every time. 
I don't care if it sounds kind of like old man music or corny. It's it's I love that sound, and um, definitely will continue to seep into what I do. Um, a little more background on Ultaki's life in general. He uh, he had this big hit with a long vacation. He did one more album, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but then he kind of stopped doing um, his uh, his solo studio albums. Um, he definitely was never much of a performer. He didn't uh, do the circuit, do a lot of touring or anything like that. Uh, if I had to guess, I think he was more reserved, maybe more of a uh, of an introvert. Um, definitely felt most comfortable being a producer. He um, he wrote a lot of songs for other artists. Um, that's probably what was most lucrative for him, ultimately. Um, he produced a lot of other bands, a lot of other acts. Um, a lot of the songs did very well. I can't name you any off the top of my head, but... Uh, yeah, he he retired shortly after um, the 1984 album Each Time. Each Time is just as good as A Long Vacation, but not nearly as well-known. I don't know why. I highly recommend them both. They're both very solid. Um, he is the only member of Happy End that uh, unfortunately is not still alive today. Um, I remember the day this happened. I was living in Japan. I heard about it. Um, the uh, Oh, I always said it was New Year's Eve, but I guess it was the day before New Year's Eve, so December 30th, uh, 2013. He um, very sadly choked on an apple and collapsed in his uh, Tokyo home. Yeah, it was rushed to a hospital, but died shortly afterwards. Um, so... It's a tragedy. He uh, he definitely went before it was his time, but I don't know. I feel like that's just like a very musician way of passing, choking on an apple. I feel like there's some kind of dark comedy poem to be written there. But anyway, he uh, he def he won a lifetime achievement award after that, and um, yeah, I'll sing his praises uh, certainly for the rest of my uh, music career. Um, let's take take things out with uh, his song Natsu no Paperbaku which just means um, a summer paperback novel. This is the first song from each time and again this guy was just amazing at album openers which I think is the most important song in an album is that first one. You uh, you set the thing off right so here here's that and um, again I hope you found this interesting. This is kind of my own little world of fandom but uh it's fun to share it with you and i'll see you next time Thank you.